Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you today to Bible study time here with myself in Virginia, just talking a little bit more and preaching and teaching a little bit more about the interesting topic of the ascension of our Lord. This will be the fourth week we've given over to this particular doctrine of the church. And it has been an interesting journey that I've taken with you. And I have really and truly enjoyed it, the time together here with you as we just simply come apart uh, to a place of quiet and settle down and enjoy God's Word as it was intended to be enjoyed. And... uh I want to begin with a, with a prayer this morning. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you with, with open hearts and minds to once again consider your ascension and what it means to us. We thank you for this day. It's a day of trouble in the world. We We pray for the people there in the Ukraine. We think of them as they struggle. We also know, Lord, that many people have difficult times with COVID and the adjustment that has taken over their lives. And so we pray for them. And any need that may be unmentioned that is coming before us now and before your throne. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and so we can boldly go to the throne of grace because you are our great ascended high priest in heaven. Amen. Well, as we, I think a good thing we might do this morning a little bit is sort of do a little bit of a review of how we have gotten to this point. And then after a little review, just bring a little closing to what we've done and learned together. But first, let me give you a little bit of a review. Some of the things that have stood out in my mind that we have uncovered and we have chipped away at this, this text, this story this narrative of what happened to Jesus after the resurrection. Well, if you if you think about it, we began talking around it. We, we, we approached it through Simeon and Anna, how they received the infant Jesus when Mary and Joseph brought him to be dedicated in the temple how these two people emerged from the crowds and took that child up in their arms and had a magnificent prayer Luke records this both Simeon and Anna these spiritual people 
these human angels, so to speak, who recognize in this child the entire redemption of Israel. And we focused on how he was taken up into the arms of those people, how he, how they took him from Mary, so to speak, into the arms of the temple. And what they were holding in their arms was the great high priest, the great king of kings, the great prophet of the ages. And way before anyone else, they knew it. They knew what they were holding. And they proclaimed it in such a wonderful way. And then we, we went on to say, well, now, this is what the ascension is really and truly all about. It is the release of the Lord unto the arms, once again, of the Lord God. The infant is released to the arms of Simeon and Anna now he is at the ascension released from the confines of the earth into the arms of God to be seated at the right hand of the Father to be our King and Lord to be our great high priest and prophet <clears throat> and then we went on to look at some of the scriptures we looked at we looked at the scriptures in, in Acts, the Luke Act tradition, where you have this wonderful lifting up of the Lord and being taken up into heaven there from Bethany. We gave some consideration to the logical ramifications of his dangling feet and reviewed some of the art related to that, some of the beautiful art that has been painted. Because it's a very uh, aesthetic scene that unfolds from the hillsides of Bethany, the, the wonderful Savior ascending into heaven, and the angels, two, two men in white gathered there, ask the, the question, calls the question. It says, what are you all looking here for? <laughs> you might as well quit looking because he's gone. He's, he's not there, not here. So, the, Transfiguration, we began to look at in the creeds of the church. We, we talked about the Apostles' Creed, how it's nestled in there, ascended into heaven. You know, it's, it's very, very part of the Apostles' Creed. We looked at the Lord's Prayer, you know, as a, our Father, who art where? Uh, down the road? No, <laughs> he's in heaven. Your Father, your Jesus is in heaven. And because of his position at the right hand of God, he is enabled to do priestly, kingly, prophetic functions that we bear remembering. Because we are citizens of that wonderful kingdom. And he passes some of that on to us, which we're going to talk about today a little bit. But we looked at that. We thought about um, issues around the story of the ascension. And we reviewed works from literature. We looked at some theology. We, we thought about how anybody would, would talk about this subject 
in a theological way, we 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 talked about the scriptures having a definite impact on this story, but also it it uh, it has a uh, a traditional side. We, we we remembered that we talked about how the preaching of the first centuries of the church, or well, more often than not, included the ascension of the Lord. We, we remember that Billy Graham thought it was a great, a wonderful uh, event in the in the life of Jesus that we 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 exclude at our peril because that means our theology will be a little bit may, may be a little bit off and crooked and unable to stand without the power of the ascension. And we 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 enjoyed thinking about how there was. It was uh, a part of everybody's. Somebody experiences this differently. Uh, some people look at this one way. Some people look at it as a great story, but not necessarily a lot of truth in it. But then we looked at how theologically logical it is, because it is not an unreasonable thing, although on the surface it seems to be, with Jesus flying up in the air. I mean, he, what is he going to do for a space suit? Or is he going to Mars or what? You remember that moment when we talked about that. No, what 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 he's doing is he's taking his rightful place. His rightful place as Lord is not here, but there and here. There is a technical word for this hypostatic, I think it is, the union between Christ and and the ascended Christ and the earthly Christ comes together and they both rise, you see, so that the, the the physical Jesus that we think about has not gone away. The physical Jesus is united in a hypostatic union with this wonderful, marvelous, rebirthed King of kings and Lord of lords. So, with that said, we're kind of coming around to what I wanted to say to you today a little bit. What I want to talk about is the the themes of the life of Jesus and how important it is to see the ascension in this. Uh, from my perspective, it is it is entirely vital to me to consider the ascension because I want Jesus where he's supposed to be. There he has the authority and the power to look beyond space and time and deal with the little things that Gene Thomas gets on his mind every once in a while. That's me. I was uh, I was riding down the road last night in my car going to a meeting. And uh, all of a sudden, the devil got in the car with me. Now, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean I didn't physically, but spiritually. He just got in there. You know, He said, what if the car breaks down? What are you going to do? You're going to be stranded on the side of the highway, and your wife is all home alone. She won't be able to come and get you. What are you going to do? And I was thinking, well, my God, the devil has crawled in here and riding with me. The next thing I knew, he had reminded me of some sin that I had done when I was a child and was beating me over the head with it like a like a like a pillow, you know, just bang, bang. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Killing me with the guilt of sin while threatening me with outward circumstances. So I was in a mess. So you know what I did? 
I said, shut up and get out of my car right now. Get out. I opened the door and get out. And you know what? He got out. You know why he got out? Because my Lord is an ascended Savior. He's still working. He's still there. He's still taking care of me if I will only have sense enough to call on him. See? So you and I uh, have a citizenship in a kingdom that is the, the the most wonderful place you can be, because the devil and all his all his railings can't can't put you out of the picture. All right. Uh, Martin Luther said it best in his hymn. He said, "Oh, the devil grim, we tremble not for him. No, we don't." We tremble for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus, ascended Lord. Well, I wanted to say something about these, these life of Jesus and these vignettes of his life that the church seizes on, on an annual basis. And he, first of all, it is the birth of Jesus. We, we, we talk about how Jesus was born, how he was born in a manger. My Lord, we have more things about that story than you can imagine. And but we like the birth narratives, and and the birth of Jesus begins the process of our thinking about it, which is fine, which is fine, it, but it doesn't close it out, it doesn't close it out. It just begins it. And then the next thing we like to think about in the life of the church, and we have a special Sunday for all of these, but this one is the baptism of Jesus. We like very much in the church to remember that Jesus submitted himself to baptism. Declared that he was a, a fully, a fully human, went to John the Baptist there by the river. And John looks and says, Oh, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then has that wonderful passage where he says, His shoelaces I'm unfit to untie. Uh, it takes the sandals off his feet. He humbles himself, you see. And he, that, that's the beginning of putting Jesus where Jesus ought to be. Uh, John d- d- doesn't say he's equal with Jesus, although he, he has his doubts at the end there, you know, it seems as if he has his doubts, but, but, but in the, in the end, he places Jesus where he ought to be. All the art world does that. Leonardo da Vinci painted a wonderful picture called the Madonna of the Rocks. It's just got two little babies in the lap. One is Jesus, about six months younger than John the Baptist, and, and, Mary is pointing to Jesus away from John the Baptist, Madonna, and her hand is old and wrinkled, and she's young, but her hand is old and wrinkled, reminding us that down through time, Jesus is Lord, and he's been baptized. Madonna of the rocks, it's called. Then you have the next vignette or episode is the strange story of the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, Jesus is not only born and baptized, but there's something about him that is more than just the fact that he's a miracle worker, although that's important, more than the fact that he's a healer, more than the fact that he was walking on water or breaking bread into a million pieces. All of that stuff is significant and swell, but there's more to this physical Jesus than just what we can see with our eyes. So Jesus draws apart with Peter, James, and John up the mount top of Mount Tabor, and 
they are before them. He is transfigured before them. The transfiguration is a Sunday that the church celebrates and remembers Jesus changing, changing, transforming. Yes, that's the word that's used. But the Greek word is much better because I like it. It's more spooky. It's the word metamorphosis. What happens to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration is not transfiguration, but in fact, metamorphosis. You understand, you know, a, a, a butterfly becomes one from being a caterpillar by the process of metamorphosis. It's bone breaking, bending, stretching, wings filling out, crawling out of a shell so that in one minute you get to see his awesome glory. See, you see his glory. Well, that's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration or Metamorphosis. You, they got a, a, just a glimpse of Jesus. And it was a holiday, so they wanted to build booths, you know, as that, that Jewish day when they built booths, remembering coming out of Israel. Let us build some booths. Because why? Because out of the dark, out of the, out of the smoke, steps Moses on one side. Out of the other side, steps Elijah comes out. Why? Because that's the law of Moses, priestly law of Moses on the one hand and the prophetic voice of Elijah on another. And they're just stupendously overwhelmed by all this glory. That's, that's the transfiguration. So you got an idea now that from his birth and his baptism and his transfiguration, you got an idea of what you're dealing with here. It's something from off this earth. It's something that though it's here, doesn't belong here. And that's one of the reasons why many of the, his detractors and scorners didn't quite know what to do, didn't quite know what to do with him. So, following his transfiguration, Jesus is crucified on the cross. In the life of the church, that's how we do it. Baptism, transfiguration, crucifixion. That mountaintop experience now comes down to earth. Jesus is seized. Jesus is crucified. Jesus stumbles along the Via Della Rosa to give his life for the sinners of the world. It's a, it's a, it's an awful, painful reflection of Jesus having his feet nailed, those precious dangling feet nailed fast to that old cross and then the whole gadget of crucifixion is lifted up into the air and thumped down into the hard surface mud on the mountain top. Now, not of transfiguration and metamorphosis, but of Calvary. And from Calvary's cross, we can see and begin to hear what he's trying to do with us. is welcome us into a new and wonderful kingdom. And he dies there. And the church remembers that. And we're getting, we're coming fast up on Transfiguration Sunday this week. And then right behind that is what? Ash Wednesday. When we put the ashes on our face, realizing that we are children of the King and we ain't nothing here but dirt. That's all we are. Just dirt. Ashes to, and the, the, the preacher will put it on your forehead and say, remember, you came from dust, the dust you're going back to. It's as simple as that. And 
then we know then say that we need a savior we need a king to to help us out we need and then jesus dies on the cross and is and then monday thursday becomes good friday saturday becomes the holy vigil and then easter morning comes both and jesus rises from the grave and we have the wonderful resurrection story of the christ coming from the tomb uh, again the angels there say what are y'all looking for he's not here <laughs> he's not here either so give it up because he's gone he's gone and so Jesus appears to his disciples and Paul says ahead of the gospels by 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 some years says that he was seen by more than 500 people at once so we have the testimony to the resurrection in 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 the bible and we, we sense it and feel it. We have no real way of, 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 of knowing the resurrection except on the, on the voices and the wings of the church, which has remembered this, these days and brought them down to us so that we don't forget them. That may not be the exact day, but that becomes entirely irrelevant. The story stretches over an annual time. Birth, baptism, transfiguration crucifixion and now resurrection resurrection glory to god hallelujah let's sing hell but is it over there no there is just beginning because jesus tells them in luke go to get go to jerusalem and wait there hang out there because i want you to go send the spirit and does holy spirit comes oh man power all of a sudden these these people got power but Something happened before that, y'all. Something happened. What was it? What have we been talking about for four weeks? Ascension. He ascended into heaven. And the two, God and Jesus, send the Holy Ghost power down. Boom. But he couldn't do it if he wasn't there. There's so many things about the ascension that make us mindful of the fact that he couldn't do it if he wasn't there. He couldn't have helped me out in that automobile the other night if he wasn't in glory in heaven looking down and watching me right up and down the road. He is with you in power. See, you can push the devil around because you have the authority. You say, well, I don't have any authority. Yes, you do. Because Jesus is the great high priest and he says so. He says so. And he moves on you and he moves on me. By the power of his spirit. So you have a direct line of connection to him. Now all these other things we talked about. The birth of Jesus. The baptism. The transfiguration. The crucifixion. The resurrection. They are all connected to the great closure point of the life and story of Jesus. His ascension. <laughs> he, couldn't have, he couldn't have been born king of kings if the Lord hadn't sent him. See? He couldn't have been baptized if the Lord hadn't willed it through John and John's birth. He couldn't have been transfigured. It, see, it's all, all connected. They are the same man. All these stories are about the same man. When I used to teach acolytes how to light the candles on the altar, you know, there are two up there in every church. Most churches have two altars, two candles. You ever wonder why? Why not one? Why not five? Why two? Because they represent the humanity 
of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. They are one and the same man. One and the same man. A little gal who I have consulted in my studies has been real helpful. She's a professor at Perkins in Dallas. I have enjoyed uh, reading her and, and Alice McKenzie is her name. She's a speaker that go writer that goes around. She likes to talk about how he ascended into heaven, but she's a she was a wonderful storyteller, which is good to me because I like good stories. But she tells a story of how her mama used to take her to church in Pennsylvania, and uh, when she was a little girl, a little tiny girl, and she'd stand on the pew beside her mama, and the church had a picture in the front of it, stained glass window behind the altar. One window had uh, a man in a garden crying tears on his knees. And uh, the other side had a man with a smile on his face flying up to heaven with his dangling feet and so forth. So she looked at these two pictures as a little girl and looked at them, looked at them. And one day her mother said, do you know what they mean? And the little girl said, no, but I, I tell you, I wish the happy man would help the sad man. I wish the happy man would help the sad man. Because for her little mind, the story was one of helping and doing. The mother said to the little girl, honey, they are the same man. Same man. So I want to say to you this morning that if you ever needed God, it's a good time for you to remind yourself he's right there available to you. Why? Because he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and just waiting on you, just waiting on you to call on him and bless him. And he, 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 it blesses him to bless you. That's the truth of it. It just blesses him to bless you. It, and when you call on him, remember that he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. If you need something done, that's who you go to. Don't grovel around with something down here that, that don't amount to a hill of beans. Go straight to the author of life. Straight to the king of kings. And remember, why he's the king of kings? It's because he's ascended to that position by the ascension. Well, the doctrine of the ascension is not so simple after all, is it? I didn't think so. But I'll tell you, it's been a real joy to go through it with you. I've enjoyed speaking with you. And having the opportunity to just develop some thoughts about this. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I hope that you will call on the King of Kings in Jesus' name. Let us pray. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Till next time, amen. Bye-bye. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver. alva brilha em mim. Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver. Brilha a luz que é no mundo meu viver.